A big honor for Jeff Ulbrich and a small honor for some Jets players. We'll talk about it today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Thursday, January 18th, 2024, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out. It helps other Jets fans find the podcast. This episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash NFL and use code all lowercase NFL for your first deposit match of up to $100. Well, a couple of Jets have been honored over the last couple of days in official and unofficial ways. We're going to talk about that on today's show and talk about some of the things that these honors could mean. And we're going to talk about the big honor. And I don't, maybe it's not so much an honor as an opportunity, but Jets defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich has been named a head coach in the Senior Bowl. He will be coaching the national team a couple of weeks in Mobile, Alabama. The Senior Bowl is a college all-star game. So if you're familiar with the college draft process uh, i always think like the first the first stage is the actual games in the fall where they, they, they play their final season of college then comes the all-star games which are there are a number of them you have the you know you have the east-west shrine game you have the, a, a couple other games the nfl pa collegiate bowl there are a number of games but the senior bowl is considered the most prestigious the guys in the senior bowl are typically guys who will be drafted uh, lots of the greatest players in the NFL played in the Senior Bowl. It's the one you want to get invited to. Nothing against all the other games, but the best players get invited to the Senior Bowl. And Jeff Ulbrich has been named a head coach. And this is actually going to be the second time in three years Jeff Ulbrich will be part of the coaching staff for a Senior Bowl team. Two years ago, the Jets coaching staff, their entire coaching staff, actually coached one of the two teams in the Senior Bowl. Last year, the NFL changed how they uh, built their coaching staffs for the game. Two years ago when the Jets did it, they got the nod because they were one of the two worst coaching staffs, or not one of the two worst coaching staff, but they were the coaching staffs of one of the teams with the two worst records in the leagues that did not fire its coaching staff. So essentially, the two the two teams with the highest draft pick who did not fire their coaching staff got the nod. And um, the Jets were one of them two years ago. So Ulbrich was on that, was on that staff. And of course, you may remember two years ago, that was one of the best Jets draft classes in franchise history. Now, how much did it help them? Well, of the guys who played in the Senior Bowl, they had seven picks. Um, their top, you know, the three best players were not in the Senior Bowl that year. Sauce Gardner was not in, Garrett Wilson was not in, Brees Hall was not in. The other four guys the Jets drafted were, however, and one of them was Jermaine Johnson, who had a big week and helped his stock. And sometimes Senior Bowl week, players really help uh, generate interest in themselves because they have a big week of practice and Many scouts will tell you that the practice is actually more important for the evaluation process than the games. Now, should it be that way? I think that there are moments where maybe teams and analysts get a little carried away with what happens at Senior Bowl practice. We're going to talk plenty about the Senior Bowl in the weeks ahead, but that's the way teams view things. And the performance Jermaine Johnson had that week, that was a factor behind the Jets trading up for him in the, in the 2022 draft. And 
I think the Jets coaching staff would tell you that the fact they got to work with him one-on-one, the fact they got a little bit more information on him, that helped in the evaluation process. So it's one of those situations where it, it may not make all the difference in the world. Look, it's still very easy to evaluate. It's very easy to, to miss on picks, even if you have access to them during Senior Bowl week. You can still hit on picks, even if you're not part of the Senior Bowl coaching staff. Plenty of teams make great draft picks, and they're not on the Senior Bowl coaching staff. But there's no substitute for being able to work with these guys one-on-one. You get to see things when you're on the field, working with them in practice that maybe you would not otherwise. So it's it's a little bit of an opportunity for the Jets. Now, I think if the Jets were being honest with you, maybe they'd prefer like some of their offensive coaches to be on the coaching staff in the Senior Bowl because the Jets' uh, draft is probably going to be very focused on the offensive side of the ball, but they can still send Elbrick in. They can ask him some questions. They can tell him to keep his eye on certain things. And I think one of the things that like, the NFL teams are in, in general in the NFL, there's this idea that like if you're a defensive coach, you know nothing about offense, or if you're an offensive coach, you know nothing about defense. I never bought into that because if you're an offensive coach, you have to figure out how to beat defenses. So obviously you know something about defenses because you have to understand what their tendencies are. You have to understand the things that they do that give you problems. And the same goes for for defensive coaches when they scout offense. They're scouting offenses every single week. So obviously they know a thing or two about what makes a good offensive player. They know a thing or two about a good offensive scheme. So even if you're just sending Ulbrich in to look at offensive players, you can kind of give him some things to look for. And you can give him an opportunity to give you maybe a more detailed uh, report than you might otherwise get. It's also a big honor for Ulbrich because it gives him a chance to run a team. And maybe this is a smaller thing and it's not so much for the Jets, it's more for Ulbrich. But, you know, you've heard his name come up and I don't think he's get. I don't think he got an interview this this cycle. But you've heard his name come up as a potential future head coach in this league because of the work he's done as Jets defensive coordinator. Now, is this going to be something that makes or breaks him? No, but I, th- I think there's always a benefit when you get a, when you get experience in the head coaching job. You know, you get to run a game. You kind of manage the coaching staff in a way you don't as a coordinator. So even if it's one game, even if it's an all-star game, even if it, in some ways it's an exhibition, it'll give Albrecht exposure to running a, a football team. And maybe that helps him as he tries to build his candidacy to become a head coach in this league. So you know, a benefit for the Jets. I don't want to overstate how significant it is for the Jets or Albrecht. Now, they changed, again, they changed how they build these coaching staffs last year. It used to be like your entire coaching staff went now they kind of mix and match coaches from across the league. And one of the reasons they bring in coordinators to be the head coaches is again, to give them that experience of of running a team. So no other Jets coach will be on the staff. Two years ago, the entire Jets coaching staff got to work with these guys. And, you know, I talked about the impact Jermaine Johnson made. You may remember that Ron Middleton, the Jets tight end coach got to work with Jeremy Ruckert. And, you know, there was a lot of buzz about the Jets and Jeremy Ruckert after that week. And that was one of the reasons the Jets drafted Jeremy Ruckert. You know, so, you know, it's not quite the way it used to be. And th- that probably is done in part to benefit more teams because, you know, maybe there was a view across the league that it wasn't entirely fair to give two teams all the benefit, to give, give two teams full access, their coaching staffs to these players. So now more teams get involved. But Jeff Albrecht will be the head coach of the national team. Uh, they'll be facing the American team. In case you're wondering, it, it used to be North versus South, but, you know, it got to the point where, like, Sometimes, like, the South had so many more players than the North, like maybe a wide receiver that you'd see, like, Alabama receivers playing for the Northern team. So now it's national versus American. Jeff Albrecht will be coaching one of the two teams and get a little opportunity to gain some extra information on these guys. And, of course, again, last time the Jets coaching staff was part of this game was 2022. It's when they had one of the best drafts in franchise history. 
they drafted three guys who have become stars in this league. In fact, three of these guys have been named top 100 players in the list compiled by ESPN. As we continue on this Thursday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast, we're going to turn our attention to that list. It was a, It's not necessarily an official list, but it re, it's a reminder that as bad as things seem for the Jets, there's legitimate talent on this team. If they get they, it's not they're not that far away from being decent if they just make a couple smart moves. I'll tell you the players who made the top 100 list and what it could mean going forward for this team as we continue this Thursday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest. Big or small, certain things can start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased on your life. So today I want to tell you how I really feel about something. You may be thinking the same thing this week. The Jets, I mean, can they get this offense going? It was one of the worst offenses in the NFL. Very frustrating to watch them this season as a fan. Just frustrating overall to have a team that's missed the playoffs 13 straight years. But of course, that's just football. It's not real life. It's nothing that should get you too fired up. Real life, though, sometimes you need therapy. Therapy can be different from everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team, and it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. Again, BetterHelp. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. A big shout out to you every day, or this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday, and then bonus episodes as needed as news breaks. ESPN released an interesting list this week. Uh, Seth Walter, a guy who actually used to be a Jets beat reporter, was part of it. They they listed the top 100 players in the NFL. And for a team that missed the playoff, for a team that had such a disappointing season, Jets had five players on the list. Sauce Gardner, the great corner, the first team all pro back-to-back, was number 26. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, 2,000-yard seasons under his belt, came in at number 45. Quinn and Williams, the outstanding defensive tackle, first team all pro a year ago. A bit of a snub snub this year for the all pro team, but did make the pro bowl. He weighed in at number 63. Quincy Williams, his brother. I mean, what, what a year Quincy Williams has had. Number 76 at linebacker. And then Brees Hall, tremendous young running back for the Jets was number 81. And you know what really also stands out is Jets offense had one of the worst units in the league this year. They had two guys who ranked in the top 81. That shows you how bad everybody else was. But it also is a reminder because it's been bleak around the Jets. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I I, you know, I interact with Jets fans on a daily basis. I feel it too. It was a difficult year. I mean, there was the expert and the Jets like did everything they could to raise expectations as high as possible. It's one, one of my issues with the Jets is like, they always try and hype themselves up. They can never just like let it be. They can never just like let things grow organically. They can never, you know, just go into a season, keep their, you know, keep a low profile and then maybe surprise you. Jets always want to tell you how great they are. And that happened this this past year heading into the season. And that led to a lot of disappointment because the team was not as good as expected, of course, in part due to a pretty significant injury at the quarterback position. And I know a lot of fans are feeling bad about this right now. I know a lot of fans are very frustrated, but it's a reminder, the Jets have, according to this list, and of course these lists are subjective, but Jets have five of the top 100 players in the NFL. And this is one of the things like I try and keep my, my mind on. I remember like 2020, Jets went 2-14 and 14 that year, and it felt so bleak because the only player they had that would have been a top 100 player heading into that season or heading into training camp was Jamal Adams, who they traded for two first-round picks. And you that team took the field each week that year, and you felt like they had no shot of winning. And if they like, even 
if they were competitive, it was just because the other team wasn't playing very well. I mean, the two games they won that year, one was a game against the Rams where the Rams essentially sweep, uh, sleepwalked through the first 35 minutes, and then they started playing, and they almost beat the Jets. And then one week later, they beat the Cleveland Browns, who pretty much had no receivers because they had a, a COVID outbreak in their wide receiver room. This team's different, and we know they have an excellent defense. We know that they have two building blocks on offense who are really good. I mean, to have five top 100 players for a team that missed the playoffs, for a team where things seem so bleak, it shows you you at least have a base of talent to build around. And again, it shows you this team's not that far off from you know, at least you know competing for the playoffs. And, and I think a lot of this comes down to the offseason the Jets will have. You know, they're, they're entering this offseason. This is a big off. They're all big offseasons. I shouldn't say it's a big offseason, but this is a very significant offseason for the franchise from the standpoint that they don't have a lot of resources. So they could go down what I think are one of two paths. They can go down the sustainable path or the unsustainable path. The sustainable path means kind of picking your spots. It means, you know, acknowledging that your resources are tight. We don't want to blow more. You know, we don't want to blow two, three years worth of resources on this season because Odds are with you know five top 100 players, we the Jets are probably going to enter next season with a good with a decent shot to make the playoffs. And you have to remember the Jets were the second team out in the AFC this year with three weeks to go. So with three weeks left, most of the AFC was still in the playoff race. They're not that far away from being a team that's at least competing for the playoffs. It's going to be, however, very difficult to fix everything that's wrong to make it a Super Bowl team. So no matter, I think like no matter what they do. Jets are going to enter 2024 with a decent decent shot at making the playoffs and really tough odds of being a Super Bowl team. Of course, when you make the playoffs, you got a puncher's chance because it's a single elimination tournament and anything can happen. So the question is, with limited resources, do you go for a sustainable path where you know you make some targeted moves? And not only do you make targeted moves, do you focus on guys who are entering their prime, who are going to be with you for a number of years? You know, you you listen to the podcast, you're in every day or you know my feelings about how the Jets should bring back Bryce Huff. But let's focus on the offensive side of the ball. And for me, like this is one of the big referendums, the wide receiver position. It, will they look young at wide receiver? You know, if you go in free agency, will it be a T. Higgins or a Michael Pittman? Guys who are young, who they'll get big contracts, but you can expect them to be good for a long time. They're entering the primes. Or do you, maybe do you look to the draft? A couple really interesting, uh, a couple really interesting prospects at the wide receiver position at 10. Or do you look for 30-year-old guys in their 30s? You know, Mike Evans is one. He's on the wrong side of 30. Might be tough, difficult to pry him away from Tampa Bay. Of course, the big name out there, Devontae Adams. The good name everybody's linking to the Jets because of his ties with Aaron Rodgers. Does not have a great contract. Now, the first year is not bad. But after the first year, that contract gets rough. Do you want to give up draft picks for him when you're already short on draft capital? See, that's the type of move that I think it might benefit the Jets in the short run. But it's not the type of move that's really a winner for the Jets in the long run when you consider the alternatives, because it's a move that may help you for one year, and you'd be paying an awful lot for that. And this is like kind of like a microcosm of the challenges here for the Jets this offseason. They're going to have to clear out some cap space. And in the NFL, you know, there are a couple ways you can do it, but the Jets don't really have that many guys they can cut to clear out the cap space they'll need. The question is, how much cap space do you clear out? Because to clear out cap space, for all intents and purposes, what you do is you can pretty much for any player reduce their cap hit in the short run by just putting by just pushing money to the, to the uh to the future. You know, we'll say, you know, we'll cut your sal, you know, it's like we cut your cap number by 5 million dollars. That 5 million dollars just goes on future caps. It's essentially that simple. But how much do you want to do it? 
And if are you really gonna chase are you really really gonna chase this idea that we we have to try and build a Super Bowl team? We have to fill all of our holes. Well, there's no real plausible way to fill all of the holes. The Jets just don't have the you know, it's just there's just too much to fill in one offseason for this team. They've made too many mistakes along the way to be able to realistically fill all of their holes to turn this into a Super Bowl team. But again, excellent base of talent. So we can we can make this a playoff team. We can make this a team that's very competitive for a playoff spot. And you know, and that's the thing is I feel like no matter what the Jets do this offseason, that's kind of where they're going to be because plausibly there's only so much you can improve in one offseason. So are we going to are we going to acknowledge this? Are we going to say, you know, no matter what we do, probably not a Super Bowl, but real good shot at the playoffs? Well, that's the point is that no matter which path you choose, that's where you're going to be. The question is whether you want sustainability, because if you take a more balanced approach and you leave yourself resources in the future, then you can build on this team. You can you know, turn it from a playoff team to a potential Super Bowl team in two, three years, maybe sooner. If you've you know, got all of your future resources, you're just putting yourself behind the eight ball going forward. So I think that this is, you know, this situation, it could go either way for the Jets. And a lot of it depends on the approach they take, whether they look for a sustainable path, where they say, you know what? Super Bowl is not happening this year, but we can still we'll still be a decent team, or whether they you know go all in and try and win a championship next year, which is probably a, a difficult bet to make good on. So it'll be interesting to see. But the point, the biggest point, is that you know this is a, the Jets for all of their issues right now are in a much better spot than they were you know two three years ago. Now it's up to the team, the people running the team, to make smarter decisions. Now, head on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll turn our attention to. More general topic, uh, a very interesting debate uh, happening online among NFL fans. It comes from words uh, by a legendary player, not with the Jets, J.J. Watt. He had some harsh things to say about Pro, Pro Football Focus, a very popular analytical website. He doesn't really believe in them. I'll tell you my thoughts on this as we continue on this Thursday edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by LinkedIn. At the start of every new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. We all know the Jets are going to need to upgrade their offensive line and wide receiver rooms this offseason. They have scouts for that. It's kind of like their version of LinkedIn Jobs. But you should know that LinkedIn is not just another jobs board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. And LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and may not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Game Time. You know you should not have to worry about buying tickets to the next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the best guesswork out of buying tickets. A few weeks ago, I was in San Diego for the holidays. Uh, my dad had bought a bunch of us tickets for the holiday bowl right as we're about to leave. This is like two hours before the game. Five-year-old nephew comes and wants to know why he can't go to the game. It led to a bit of a panic. So I, but I said, I told everybody, don't worry. I pulled out my phone, 
opened the game time app. I had tickets within a minute. It was so easy. It was just a couple of clicks. That's how simple it is. And these were these were tickets that were really cheap. I couldn't believe the deal I got on them. It's just great. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, one word with no space locked on for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Thursday. Let's turn our attention to general NFL talk because there's a debate that's broken out the last day or two about the analytical website Pro Football Focus. And it came from J.J. Watt, who made an appearance on the Pat McAfee show, which I guess is kind of like the the show of record now for the New York Jets um, because of all of Aaron Rodgers' exploits on that show. But uh, Watt was very critical of Pro Football Focus. Uh, And if you're not familiar with the site, Pro Football Focus is very well known for a lot of reasons. But the number one reason might be they have a grading system. So essentially, they grade each player in the NFL on a weekly basis and then for the season in a lot of different areas. They grade them for blocking, for receiving, for running, for passing. And they... They grade each play and then somehow like they converted it into like a one to 100 scale. And Watt kind of made fun of them. Watt said that, you know, he, he sat next to a coach who graded film and it was essentially the same game pro football focus graded and an actual NFL coach came out with completely different grades. Now I have a couple thoughts on this. Number one, if you're familiar with my work, both my writing and my podcasting, you know, I have a lot of skepticism towards the pro football focus grades. I don't think that they've done a great job being transparent about how they arrive at their grades. My bigger issue is that I think that there are too many analysts and fans who take these grades as gospel. You know, grades leave out a lot of context. I see this happen every year where, you know, the Jets may sign some safety and some beat writer will tweet out that, you know, he, well, he had an 80 grade on pro football focus last year. That doesn't mean anything because you don't know how he got to that 80 grade. You know, if he played in the box a lot and the Jets are going to play him deep, then you know how useful is that really? Grades are also backward looking. You can you can tell me how a guy played last year. It doesn't mean he's going to play the same at the same level this year. I also have issues in general with these grades from the standpoint that I don't think that they do a good job. I don't think that they tell you a lot about what a player is good at, what a player is bad at. So. I think that there, there are lots of issues with, with these grades. I don't think you should use them as gospel. I think that too frequently they're subjective. You know, I bet you if there was another grading service out there who competed with PFF, they'd, they'd have a lot of disagreements with certain player with certain grades. I think part of the, and I think that's part of the issue. They're the only service that does this, but grading is by its nature subjective. You and I can look at the same play. I see this on my website all the time where like, I'll say something about something, a play Zach Wilson ran. Another writer on my website will say something completely different about the same play. It's difficult to say who's right and who's wrong. Now, the other thing I'd say about this, though, is I don't know that coaches are always honest about their grades either. Uh, Jeff Schwartz, a former NFL offensive lineman, tweeted out uh, something uh, about his experience playing in the NFL in, in relation to what J.J. Watt said. And he said you know, he, he like had a question for a coach once when he was playing about a, a low grade he got. And the coach essentially said to him, well, we lost. I didn't want to give anybody too good of a grade. So that shows you that like these coaches aren't really, you know, the coaching grades aren't re- always gospel either. And on some level, you know, teams, one of the big criticisms of PFF in their grading system is that they're not in the huddle. They, they don't know what the calls are. And that's fair to an extent. But 
when the Jets are like trying to sign a free agent, they have to come up with grades themselves. And they don't, like, maybe the Jets can grade their own players effectively. But when the Jets are like scouting a draft pick or when the Jets are scouting a guy they may want to bring in in free agency, they're watching film and they're assigning grades to these guys and they don't always know the play that, that's being run. So I fall somewhere in between on, in this debate. I think that, you know, I have issues with the way PFF does things, but I don't think that, you know, coaches are necessarily inherently, you know, superior. I think that, in, especially in football, there is this perception among players and coaches that only they can understand what's going on on the field. And that's not always true. Football's not rocket science. I mean, lots of smart people can figure out the game. Lots of smart people can figure out the X's and O's of this game. I do think that there's a little bit of arrogance when it comes to people who have been in the league, who have played or coached. They don't think you can't possibly understand what's going on. And that's not always true. There are lots of, again, there are lots of really smart people who understand the game of football. And I think that they try and present, they try and act like the game's completely unapproachable. It's not. You know, it's a game you can figure out. If you don't believe that, well, the joke's on you because you're listening to a podcast from somebody and you're listening to the analysis of somebody who never played and never coached in the NFL. So if you actually believe that, well, that's a, you know, you probably should be laughed at right now because you're listening to this show. Um, I think that, again, there's nuance involved. I, I don't like the way PFF is used constantly as gospel. And to the extent Watt was saying that, I agree with him. But I don't necessarily agree with him that, you know, only a coach or a player can really understand what's going on on the field. And I think more than anything, I wish that there were more sources than PFF, because I think that people put a little bit too much stock into what they say when it's really just one grading system. It's one one system that that's used to evaluate players. And the other aspect of this that I don't like is people act like these PFF grades are like advanced statistics. You know, one of the criticisms I hear is I believe in the eye test. I don't believe in these numbers. Well, just because the PFF grades are numbered one to 100, just because that's how they, they, they use their grading system, that doesn't make them advanced statistics. These, these are actually based on the eye test. This is like old fashioned, like grading the film, breaking down film and assigning a random number to it. This, these are not advanced statistics, you know, and that's one of the great ironies of this. And people, you know, people use use these grades to, to prove that analytics don't work in football. These aren't analytics. This is actually like film breakdown. Is somebody putting a number on film? That's not objective data. So that's the last thing I have to say about that. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you enjoyed the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out, helps other Jets fans find the show. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week.